Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. It's your first time. I'm Tyler. I'm the pastor here. So excited that you're here. Uh, we are in a series, The Making of a Great Church. Everybody say, Great Church. We came to this conclusion throughout Scripture that God doesn't want us to be a part of a bad church. He doesn't want us to be a part of a good church. God desires us to be a part of a great church, okay? And so I don't want to pastor a church. And again, I am not the leader of this church. Jesus is. I believe that I'm following the vision of Jesus, not my own vision. Uh, it's all throughout Scripture what God wants for the church. And I think we established a few weeks ago, if you weren't here, I just want to make sure you understand, God really does not like bad church. He, like, he hates bad church. And you'll see this throughout the Gospels. He comes across a bad church uh, that basically turns the church into a marketplace, and he flips the tables. He even makes a whip. I, I, I've, I've been to some bad churches, but I don't bring a whip to the bad church. I just leave, okay? Jesus goes a whole nother level, okay? And so he brings a whip, drives things out, and basically declares, man, passion for God's house. It consumes me is what his disciples remember. And then you go to Revelation 3, and he even built upon this thought. He talks about different churches, and there's this one that, if I'm being honest, the church of Laodicea, it, it's the one I think the American church can relate to the most. It talks about an area that is affluent, and the, the area believes it has everything they need. But God comes to these people and says, you think you have everything you, you need, but actually you're miserable, wretched, and poor. This type of church that thinks they can do everything without me makes me want to puke. The church that realizes they can do nothing without Jesus is the church that pleases God. And so we're a church that understands that we can't change the world with our intellect. We can't change the world with our talent. We change the world with the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, we shared the first week, Matthew 16, 18, that the, the church isn't my idea. It's not your idea. It's Jesus' idea. The lead tells Peter this. is very quick. This is just the intro. Forgive me, but I want to make sure we know where we're at. When I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus' idea is the church. It's his plan A. There is no plan B. He didn't say, on this rock, I will build this movement or this thing or that thing or this nonprofit. No, no, no. He will build the church. This is Jesus' plan. The church is the vehicle to change the world. It says in Ephesians 5.25, Jesus doubles down on how much he loves the church. He goes, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her. Stop. You go into Revelation and Jesus says, the church, it's like my bride. I would do anything for my bride. I died for my bride. I would lay my life down for my bride. And now he asks us to do the same thing, to lay down our preferences, to lay down our own ideas, to lay down our selfishness and to say, God, I want to build your church. I believe we can have a great church. I believe it. But I feel like I got to say this just so you don't think I'm some Mormon fuzzy preacher who just think great church happens on accident. It's the easiest thing on the planet. When Rachel and I got married, I remember like weeks before, people would walk up to me and be like, you're getting married, congratulations. Your first year is going to be hell. <laughs> Thank you, you know. And it wouldn't have bothered me if it was one person, but it was like five people that are like, oh, we're praying for that first year. Oh my gosh, hold on. Just, just remind yourself, you love your spouse. You love your spouse. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, so I remember like saying, I do. And like the first week I was like, I still like Rachel. She still likes me. And then like a month in, I was like, okay, we're, we're still doing fine. When's this going to be like hell part? And to be honest, we had a great first year. We had a great first year. Now, if you had a bad first year, I'm sorry. Okay, I had a great first year. Sometimes it's just part of your story, but now you're doing great now. You're welcome. Um, but a great first year. And then 
I remember telling people, to be honest, we've had a great three years. I'm loving it. You know, I'm loving it. And then they're like, well, you just wait till year seven. Oh, year seven. Oh, it's going to, you don't, you're not even going to want to be in the same room with your spouse. I was like, well, uh, okay. So then I remember our anniversary was six months ago, year seven. You know, happy anniversary, babe. All right, here it comes. You're going to not like me anymore. You know, and to be honest, year seven, we're killing it. We're killing it. I love, I love. I'm not here to tell you about how great my marriage is. Um, and if you're in a hard time in your marriage, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to like celebrate while you're mourning. We all have different seasons. Uh, but I'm not saying it's been easy either. I, I remember two years in, Rachel's Italian and she talks kind of loud sometimes. AKA she yells at me sometimes. Um, she was yelling at, she was yelling at her man. And I remember like looking at her like, you're not feeling like, you can't talk to me that way. I'm soft. I, I, I don't respond well to yelling. You, know, you gotta be nice to me. And you know, she didn't actually like it. She felt like she's like, oh my gosh, she's like, I'm failing you as a wife. I'm like, no, just be nice to me. That's all I want. <laughs> and don't get it twisted. Like, she's not married to a saint. Like, I mean, a few weeks ago, we were in the car. It was actually just last week. I wish it was longer. Um, <laughs> it was last week, and we've been traveling to decent amount. It was like 10 p.m., and I was just snappy. I was like, <laughs> you know, she's like, Tyler. We can have long days, but you can't talk to me that way. I was like, my own medicine. Ooh, it is bitter. Uh, and I remember going, okay, I'm so sorry. For seven years, we've guarded things. It's fascinating that we can be kind to somebody at a safe way, but be mean to the people we're closest to. And I believe in church, it's the same thing. We can be kind to people everywhere else, but then we start doing life with people in church and it just gets so hard for some reason. But I believe that you should fight for a great church. So let's fight the good fight. Doesn't mean there's not gonna be a fight involved, but I'm gonna fight for a good church. It's gonna be a labor. It says labor for something. It's gonna say run. It's gonna be, it's gonna take energy. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna give my energy to fight for a great church. And I hope you know that I don't look at the church with this rose colored glasses that everything is perfect. I have never been hurt more than in the church. Pastors have abused me physically, spiritually manipulated me, verbally abused me in my 15 years of ministry, abandoned me, loved me when I was giving them something, hated me when they couldn't get anything from me. Oh, I've been hurt from church. I've been hurt from people I've pastored. I've had them in my room praying on the floor for a revival. And then I just don't text them back in time and they're angry at me and they just bounce and tell me I failed them. I've been hurt by people in church, but Jesus didn't give up on the church and I'm not gonna give up on the church. I believe great church is possible. I believe great church is a thing that if we come together and say, man, I'm gonna fight for this. I'm gonna fight that this region and see a church they've never seen before, that God would smile on how gracious we are, how merciful we are with each other, how great we are with each other. The title of my message today is the making of a great church. A great church is a fun church. Everybody say fun church. Now for anybody who's kind of religious and hates that title, I have a second title, so you don't shut off the whole message, okay? Title of my message for you intellects who hate fun. Uh, a great church knows how to build. Okay, you like that better? You like that better? So whatever title you like, you can have it. I, you know, you're not allowed to have two titles, but I'm preaching, so I have two, okay? Um, buckle up. God has something for us. I really believe it. We bow your heads. God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in the house. I thank you for what you're doing in, in the people's lives at Mission Church. Lord, I love having conversations with people and I hear what you are doing in their minds, in their hearts, and in their lives. Only you can do those things, Lord. 
And Lord, I love what you show us, that what gets to us must get through us. This isn't just for us. It's for the whole region. It's for the whole world. So Lord, I pray right now that this message, oh, that it would transform our lives, that it would do something that, that I couldn't do, but only your spirit could do. I pray that my words fall to the floor and that your words soar. I pray I get out of the way and let you do what you want to do. Oh, God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? Amen. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Very uh, quick verse. It says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Everybody say vain. vain. I don't want to labor for a bad church. I don't want to labor for a good church. I want to labor for a great church. And there's something to be said about that. Any rule followers in the house, raise your hand. Who's a rule follower? You just, rules, I love them. I love following rules. Sidewalks are to be uh, honored. Cross paths, crosswalks are to be honored. So my wife is a rule follower to the max, okay? I just like to get to the places the fastest I can. Um, and so we'll be like in downtown Walnut Creek, and there's no cars. And I'm like, come on, babe, let's cross the street. And she's like, oh, this isn't the crosswalk. And be like, you would have thought I asked her to rob a bank, okay? I'm like, you want to go rob a bank? Tyler! And I'm just like, I'm just, there's nobody here. If we cross right now, we don't have to walk that way, go here and come back. Let's just cross the street. And so I've worked uh, diligently to have my wife be a rule breaker with me. She's, she's getting better, okay? So we cross the street, and it's all good. Now, this doesn't uh, usually ruin my life most of the time. Now, when we moved into our new little duplex uh, a few years ago, we had a guest room, and so we had to buy a guest bed frame. And, you know, those I who's seen Ikea instructions, by the way? Like, why do they even put them in there? Like, it's like a stick figure guy, and there's like a hammer, and then he's doing this with a hammer, and then he's doing this with a hammer, and then he's doing this with a hammer. I'm like, this is just a dance. Like, there's nothing happening. Um, and so I usually just don't even look at the directions. I'm like, I don't need the directions. I'm just going to build the bed frame. And so I end up building the bed frame, and it took me like two, three hours to build it. First of all, I'm not handy. The only hammer we had in the house was a pink one that my wife brought in, into our marriage. Just keeping it real. We ha and we don't have a toolbox. It's one of those like storage little things that you get at like, um, like a storage plus thing where that kind of collapse down. It's like a little, um, I guess it's called a box. So it's in a box, okay? And so the tools are in a box and the thing came with an Allen wrench. And I remember putting it together. I was like, I did it. And then I looked and I was like, something's off. And I like start moving it. And like, no joke, it just crumbled this way. It's like, there's no way. Then I opened up the directions, and I realized I put it basically backwards. Like, it was terrible. I had to take it apart. It took me about six hours. I hated it, okay? That's a micro level of me not listening to the directions and building the way I want to build. Let's get on a macro level, okay? Let's, let's kind of, like, let's, let's zoom out. Let's, let's get as far out as we can, and let's look at our life. And the sad part is, is that when we go to build our own life, and sometimes when we go to build the church, God gives us this instruction manual called the Bible, 66 books long, written by 40 authors, and he tells us how we're supposed to build our life. Not only how we're supposed to build our life, but, but what we're supposed to build it upon and who we're supposed to build it with. And so five hours was taken from me, but it's just five hours. But what happens for the people in our region that are trying to build a career and build their dream life, but they're doing it with no directions from God, they're doing themselves, and at the very end, it just crumbles. And I believe that we're called as a church to build a certain way. Now, you saw the Homes of Hope thing, and we had a foreman. He was in charge. His name was Martin. Martin was a saint. I love Martin, okay? Martin taught me so many different things. I learned so much about Jesus through Martin. And so I don't know how to build anything. So I'm, I'm on the, like, who wants to be on framing team? I was like this. You know, he's like, okay, you can be on framing team. Who wants to do painting? So we had all these different teams. Martin says, okay, you're on framing team. I get a hammer. He has a wood. And literally, this is me the whole time for two days. Martin, Martin, Martin. What, what do I do? He's like, you just hit the hammer right here. Thanks, Martin. 
pow, 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 pow. I come back to Martine. Martine, Martine, what do I do now? Okay, you're going to do the frame on the door. How do I do that? Okay, you're going to walk over here. And, he's, every, and then after I was done with the frame, Martine, Martine, what do I do now? Okay, you're going to take the drywall tile, you're going to put it on the ground, and you're going to cut it with this tool. What is this tool called? Oh, I've never heard of that name. I can't even read it. He's like, you're just going to cut the board, and then you're going to put it up. And then I would cut the board, it would be too small. It didn't even fit because I'm that bad of a, uh, at being handy. And then I'd be like, Martine, is this too small? And he'd be like, no, no, we can fix it. We'll fix it with the trim tile. You're going to be just fine. Oh, thank you, Martine. And then we start putting on the little details. Martine, Martine, what are we supposed to do for the roof? Tyler, come here, I'll show you. Come here, come here. Come over here, Tyler. And then he teaches me that the insulation, you measure with the house, and then you cut it, do this five times, and then fold it up, put it on the side. Okay, you got it, Martine. Martine, Martine, we're doing the curtains. Me and Mark. Mark Pulver did a killer job of the curtains. Um, all these things, yes, Martine, what do I do? And for two days, you would, you would have thought there was like a, a hit single through a whole group. Martine, 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 Martine. Because everybody was asking Martine, what do I do? I never built a house before. And I think it's just so arrogant of us when we're building the church not to go, Jesus, 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 uh, um, we, we, we have small groups. Uh, how do we do this? Uh, Jesus, Jesus, we're about to sing songs to you. Uh, how do we do this? Uh, Jesus, Jesus, we're about to have a service. Uh, how, how should we do this? Jesus, Jesus, somebody literally in our church just literally just had a train wreck in their life. What do we do? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We should never stop calling the name of Jesus for every single circumstance in our life. This is, this is how we should build. I brought a little souvenir. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but uh, it's a nail. Um, so we were building the houses, and I think a lot, of, a lot of different things that make a house great are the type of paint that you put on the house, the roofing, the, the walls, the windows, the furniture. But man, nails, they get no love. Nobody's like, kill our nails on your house, bro. Nobody says that. But the nails are holding everything together. There's such a small nuance. And if I'm being honest, the making of a great church, if you could just hear my heart with this, is there's a lot of churches. There's a great, is a great church made by how many songs we sing? We, well, a lot of churches sing three or four songs and then have a message. That doesn't make a great church. There's a lot of restaurants in Walnut Creek. There's a lot of restaurants in Walnut Creek. And there's not a lot of great restaurants in Walnut Creek. Trust me, I've tried all of them. We're foodies. But there are some great ones. And here's what makes great restaurants. It's the little things. And I believe for a church to do something great is, I think there's some things we've overlooked as a church at times, at least I have, and this is just for me, I'm sorry, but I want to talk about three things that I think the church needs to get better at as we build. And I think one of them is gentleness. We're going to talk about, we need to know how to be gentle as we build this house. We need to know, because Jesus was gentle when he built the house. He was meek. He didn't, he didn't snap at the world when they were trying to kill him. He actually forgave the world. So we're going to talk about gentleness. We're going to talk about having fun. I believe that church, we should have fun while we build. And I'm going to show you throughout scripture. It's all throughout and then the other ones, we're gonna. Have to, this would be a refreshing house. This should, there should be some refreshment when you leave the house. Is this making sense? All right, uh, let's look at the first one. Let's talk about gentleness, okay? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but when you can't fail in a place or you have to be perfect in a place, it's no fun. Perfection is no fun. Ask anybody who has a perfection complex. Life is no fun, okay? Sports aren't fun. Academics aren't fun. Getting ready in the morning is not fun. Perfection steals things, okay? Now, yes, somebody like Rachel and I, we are the messiest people I know. If you came over to our house right now, you would judge us, okay? I literally, when I get home, this shirt's going to come off. I'm just going to throw it in the living room, okay? I'm working on it because my wife wants the house to be clean, but it looks like I'm raptured every Sunday. I literally just walk in like, shirt, ugh, jeans, ugh, oh, basketball shorts, better, you know? Um, but we are messy, messy people. But man, I feel good. You know, I think other people like, you know, their house is like, like, like the house has to be perfect. Oh my gosh, it's a little... Like, man, you never get a rest, you never get relaxed, you never get to enjoy things. Perfection is who Jesus is. But I love this. Uh, Jacqueline shared this on her Instagram. I just loved it. We're, we're not going for perfection. We're going for wholeness. And there, there, there's, there, don't get me wrong. 
I believe that we will be perfect when we see Jesus, but here on earth, God wants to make you whole. It's, it's just a slight nuance, but again, it's a little thing, but it's big. And let's just look at the Bible, Ephesians 4. Here we go, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 1. I'm in my intro in 20 minutes. I can do it. Uh, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Everybody say beg. Come on, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. So again, church is not about um, just coming and going. You are called to build the house of God. It says that Jesus loves the church. Do you love the church or just like the church? Are you putting up with the church? Is it just part of what you do in your life? No, the church should be a priority to you, just like a bride would be a priority to you. He loves the church. He's asking you to live a life worthy of your calling. He goes on to say, for you've been called by God, always be dot, dot, dot. What do you think is going to be? Always be what in the church? This is the conduct of the church in Ephesians 4 is what we're trying to um, really cover. Always be right. Always have the right answer. Always be perfect. Now, that's not what he's asking from the people who operate in church. As we build the house, as we build the church, here's what he asks us to do. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Oh, man, Martin, I don't know. I, I was like, how does he do it? For two days, he's just so patient with me. I would literally hammer a nail, and I would miss it, and it would shoot 20 feet across it. And there's actually Rachel had in the video where I, the, the nail just drops. I'm terrible at handy. But he was just so patient. He goes, oh, another one flew. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He never was like, what you doing? Hit the nail right. He was just always like, ah, there it goes again. You know, like, Martin, I need you in my life, man. <laughs> Be patient with each other, make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love, because of your love. I don't know about you, but I think we don't understand how fragile people are. The Bible in Corinthians says that we are like jars of clay, fragile. But we're just so hard with people, and then we wonder why they act so hard. I believe for people actually to start to become soft and really be moldable, I think there has to be an environment where people can actually become soft and know that they can actually mess up and fail in a place. Where they can actually take their guard down, take the mask off and say, this is who I am. I'm fragile. I'm just gonna be, I'm, I am, I am, I am. I, I'm, I, here's how much I know I'm fragile. Rachel and I, um, this was the last few weeks, we're traveling a lot and um, I just had a hard day. I had a hard day and I was just puking like crazy. I was pouting. Ain't no party like a pity party because a pity party don't know how to stop, okay? It's like one of those days. I was just pity party. I was like, I, was, I, I felt like nobody was grateful for me. I had a bunch of people asking me for things and I was just like, like, like they want this and people want this. And I was just like, Bleh! I was just so upset. And Rachel was having a great day and I ruined it, okay? I mean, I was like just, and then, and then the next morning she wakes up and she kind of just kind of chill and just to be real with you, my wife is a cuddle junkie. If cuddling was a drug, it would be a bad thing, okay? Because she just loves to cuddle. It's just a hug. She, just, she needs the hugs in the morning, okay? Hope that's not TMI, but she loves hugs. Like, she's like, even like when she got up this morning before, she's like, you got to give me a hug. I was like, okay, come here, you know? And so I give her a hug. But this morning, she didn't give me a hug. Um, she didn't call me Sweetums, which I always get Sweetums in the morning. Um, I was like five hours in, and we're on an airplane um, going to Seattle. And I look at her, and I'm like, do you still even love me? This is the question I ask. I'm just, and I'm not even being dramatic. I just literally felt, I was like, she's like, what do you mean? I was like, it's been five hours. And you didn't give me a hug yet? You didn't tell me I'm sweetums? You didn't tell me I was adorable? <laughs> Nothing. And she goes, of course I love you. And she goes, I'm kind of upset right now. I was like, well, what's wrong? And they're like, oh, my bad. You know, you're in a happy mood and I was in a bad mood. And I need to, I, I'm an open processor, so I need to learn how to not always open process. Um, and then she gave me a big old hug. And then the whole time we watched Office on the plane, she put her cheek on my cheek as we watched The Office. People around us probably hated it, but I loved it, okay? <laughs> I've heard spouses say this before. That 
I told my wife I love her when we got married. I'll let her know if she, I don't love her anymore. I'll just tell her. That's, that's just, literally, I've heard this in marriage counseling. I'm like, whoa, missed it, okay? I think sometimes in church, the religious people want to move on. Well, we told them that Jesus loves them, and we've been gentle with them, but now we need to really handle business with them. We told them we love them. Of course Jesus loves you. It's like, of course he does. Now, now listen up. Stop doing this thing. Stop doing this and stop doing that. And then you kind of get frustrated with the people because they're not living the life that you think they should live so fast. And so you act a little different to them. And then they start to go, does Jesus even love me anymore? There's something to be said. I was in uh, football. I played football for a little bit. And uh, defensive end, tight end. And um, just in high school, nothing big. Um, but um, uh, for the Niners, no. Um, <laughs> I would not be alive today if I did that. But anyway, so I was playing football, and we would do these team parties. And one of the things we do is these things called trust falls. You guys remember trust falls? Okay, so trust falls were where you're like, okay, if we're going to be a team together, we got to trust each other. And so, you know, the uh, athletes would stand arm, arms um, locked, and you would have to fall and trust that they would catch you. And so our group, we were the defensive, we were the linemen. So the linemen were doing it. The wide receivers had this guy named Taylor and Joey, and they thought it was hilarious because by person three, they would step back and just, bam, hit the floor. Um, yeah, that's why I don't like trust falls. But my group, they caught me. I thought it was fantastic. I was like, thank you. And again, just a simple exercise to show trust because you're either gaining trust or losing trust is what I've been taught by leaders. Proverbs says this, because I believe the church has to get really good at trust falls. And here's what I mean by that. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Everybody say, get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. And you see people in the world, have you ever noticed when something really bad happens? They're just tripped up by it for the rest of their life. Something happens in a relationship, and for the rest of their life, that's what they're marked by. They make a bad mistake, and that's actually how they see themselves for the rest of their life. They're tripped up by it. That's how the world handles it. But I think we need to get really good at trust falls and being gentle with people. And here's what I mean by that. People are going to fall in this house. And when they fall, can they trust us to come over and help them and be gentle and humble and be patient because of our love that we have from Jesus Christ to get them back up again? We don't shoot people when they're down. We don't berate them when they're down. We actually pick them up and help them. Because, man, I don't know about you, but when I failed in sports, when I was trying to have a good time and I make a mistake, the last thing I want to hear is have somebody yell at me. I already know I made a mistake. I didn't know, is anybody going to help me actually get out of this mistake? And so my prayer is that if we're going to be a great church, we need to know that we need to build with gentleness. That for us to have fun, you need to know something. You can mess up here. Church is messy. I don't know why we think we're supposed to be perfect. So many people come here with a perfect facade. All of us have got junk. What if this next season, all the things that you're carrying, that you're not supposed to be carrying, you could actually share it with somebody and they could pray it off you. That they could actually tell you how to walk away from those bad rhythms of life and you could actually be what God called you to be. Some of you have been on the map for way too long. We're going to be a church that picks you back up and says, you may fall seven times, but you're going to get up every single time because you're rolling with me and you're rolling with him. Amen? We're going to have fun while we build. Making of a great church. Great church is a fun church. Turn your Bibles to Nehemiah 8. This is going to be a fun one. Nehemiah 8. So I'm going to try to read a lot of scripture. Uh, I'm going to read it fast, and then I'm going to unpack it. Okay, here we go. 8-2, give a little context. Nehemiah, the people, they had just finished building the wall in days, not years. It's an amazing thing. And so here's what happens when they build the wall. Oh, whenever God's building, he's always building to bless. He's always rebuilding to restore. We just don't build to build. We build the church to bless people. We build the church to literally uh, um, praise God. There's always a purpose in the build. So they build a, um, they build a, uh, uh, a wall, and now they're going to read the word of God. 
So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. I sometimes worry about, you know, my 40-minute message, but this is daybreak till noon, so you're welcome, okay? Um, it's like six hours. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. I'm standing below you. That's okay. And he was uh, open to it. The people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded. So there's this amazing moment happening. People are responding. It goes on to say that the Levites, a bunch of other people, and they, they read the book aloud again, the, the book of the law. So now other people are reading the book of the law. So it's just one person. It's not the talents of few, but the sacrifice of many. So a bunch of them. Let's go to uh, number nine. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy. Everybody say holy. Do not mourn or weep. Some of you have been mourning for too long. Some of you have been weeping for too long. Because if I'm just being real, the context of this scripture, who it's being read to and who's being instructed real quick, is for literally a season of their life, this is how they live their life. Build and fight. Sword in one hand, hammer the other. Build, fight. Build, fight. Build, fight. Build. People are betraying you, talking about you, trying to kill you. Build, fight. And some of you in the house, you can relate with this a lot. I'm trying to build my career, and then I'm fighting my spouse. I'm trying to build my career, but I'm fighting my mind. I'm trying to build my career, but I'm fighting my employees. I'm trying to build my life, but I'm fighting this. Build and fight is the rhythm of your life a lot. And Jesus is saying, do not mourn, do not weep. Here's what you need to do to stop this rhythm of your life of just building and fighting. Here's what he says. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Man, I, when I think of holiness, I think of <laughs> Jesus throughout Scripture had these mandated festivals to celebrate because our mindset always goes to captivity. Our mindset always goes to I'm not good enough because this is what the flesh does. Our mindset goes to always a lower bar. And Jesus says, no, a part of my DNA in the church is going to be celebrating and having a good time. So it goes on. He says, be still for this holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away, eat, drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy. Everybody say great joy. We believe church should be not endured but enjoyed because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Stop. Ecclesiastes 8. You, you don't think it's throughout Scripture? Check this out. The wisest man who ever lived besides Jesus, Solomon, who asked for wisdom, goes, so I recommend having fun because there is nothing better. Stop. So I recommend having fun, for there is nothing better than having fun when you go to a small group. There's nothing better than going to your softball team. There's nothing better than having fun at church and leaving. There's nothing better. Here's how he says it. There's nothing better for the people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some of the happiness along the way with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. Stop. It's going to be hard work. So if we're going to work hard, we might as well have fun doing it. We're going to have fun while we set up and tear down. We're going to have fun while we do worship. We're going to have fun while we go to church. This should be a staple of our church. Let me, let, me, let me say this real quick. Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents, if not the greatest president we've ever had. He was melancholic by nature. He was in a war where more U.S. Um, citizens died than the other war. And he would be sometimes criticized, pictures would be of him, laughing around a campfire because he would start meetings by telling jokes. He would sit around a campfire and say, hey, I want you to tell me a joke. Tell me a joke. And this is an exact quote from Abraham Lincoln why he would say to people either sitting around campfires and before meetings, why don't you laugh? You need this medicine just as much as I do. 
Abraham Lincoln was a believer, and he knew, like Proverbs 17, 22, a happy heart is good medicine, and a joyful mind causes healing. But a broken spirit, it dries up the bones. This is not supposed to be a dry place. It's not supposed to be a library. It's supposed to be a place where we celebrate. It's supposed to be a place where we mourn. It's supposed to be a place where we have fun together. And again, it's one of those things I think we've lost as a church at times. Why do you think the clubs are full and the churches are empty? God designed his kids to have a good time. I don't want people leaving. I, maybe, I don't, I, maybe they should at times, but hear me. I don't want a lot of people going, hey, how was church today? It was fantastic. It was so intense, so serious. It was really quiet. I feel pretty bad about myself right now. I, 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 can't, I can't wait to come to church next week. I think the church should be more like a well where people come get refreshed with joy, with love, instead of some place where it's this legalistic place where we build walls up and say, you better not leave and you better not do this. You walk outside of this, you're done. Oh, I'm going to double down with you. Psalm 126.2, I think the world will notice how great God is when we start laughing a little bit more. It says this in Psalm 126.2, our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Stop. As their mouths were filled with joy and laughter, the nations started to say, God has done great things for them. Can you imagine your actually your emotions changing because God changed your emotions? Can you imagine going to work? Can you imagine being around people? And your levity of your life, the joy of your life is raising among people. And they start to go, there's a different joy in your life. How did this happen? There must be a God among you. Yeah. You don't think fun is actually even productive? It shows in studies that workplaces that have more fun, people want to stay later and they're more productive. So people that are actually having fun at church, they want to stay longer and I think they want to serve more. I believe that fun should be a part of church. Now hear me real quick. I got I to gotta address this because some of you just shut down because fun is just a bad word. It's like the F word in church to you, okay? Let's just talk shop real quick. Yeah, I'm going to share it. No, I'm not. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm going to share it. <laughs> Let me catch this real quick. I believe that sin kills people. Witness my whole family, alcoholism, suicide. I hate sin. And so as we build the church, I keep on asking God, God, how do we destroy what's destroying your people? You know what else I don't like? I don't like it that people don't treat church as a priority. It drives me nuts. That church is a side dish to people. I'm like, Lord, how do I make your house the most important thing in people's life because it was the most important thing to you? The bride was the bride. You used the word bride. You died for it. But people care about so many other things, maybe because it's flashy or their heart got connected. But God, how, how? How do I have people become not a crowd, but literally this is who I am. I'm the church. I believe in the church. I give my time. I give talents. I give resources. I believe in the church. And I thought about my own life. And I'm just going to shoot you straight real quick. There's a lot, a lot of stories where I feel like I'm bragging about myself, but whatever. Um, buckle up. I didn't go into ministry and make 200 bucks a week for four years because of some religious thing I was taught by somebody. I didn't do it because I thought if I don't do it, God's going to hate me. No. I did it because I thought the house of God was the greatest place to be. And I felt privileged to lay my life down 
and to live in another house and make 200 bucks for four years. And I remember you making 36 grand in year five uh, in LA and going, oh my gosh, I'm almost making a living for the first time in my life. I remember getting health insurance for the first time in five years at year six and going, oh my gosh, I have a one bedroom apartment. I can't believe I get paid to build your house, God. You wanna know how that happened? Because I fell in love with my God. The house was the most fun place to me. I loved the people in it. It was the only place I wanted to be. So when we build this house, I'm not trying to build it in a way where I tell you, because here's the deal, holiness is unbelievably important. But part of holiness is celebration, it's enjoyment. And you should always ask this question, am I becoming more holy or am I becoming more like the world? You should become more holy. Am I becoming more like Jesus? Jesus wants to celebrate. Or am I becoming more like the world? Or am I becoming more religious? And the more and more you become like Jesus, and the more and more that you become more holy, and the more and more you enjoy the things of God, you're going to want to be at all the things that God has. That, we have a pre-service prayer right now. We have about 60 people coming. We've been praying, we're believing that that's going to be just as full as this is right now. Because people are going to say, I, I, I want to be in the house. As long as you allow me to be in the house, I want to be in the house. If you're not there yet, that's okay. I wasn't there overnight. I would show up late to church. I didn't want to do worship. I just like the message. I've been there too. It grows. Watch out. If you're showing up late to worship right now, oh, you might be a pastor one day. Oh, you're like, you're like ah! It's an okay thing, I promise. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. First Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 4.1.3. One final word about just fun. One final word, friends, we ask you, no, no, we urge you is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. Spirited dance. You know the guidelines we laid out for you from the Master Jesus. God wants you to live a pure life. Spirited dance, pure life. Don't, don't do a drudged plod of religiosity as you build a house. I don't know about you, but what we do as we're building the house, how we do it is just as important to God. What I mean by that is if you're a father or a mother and you tell your kid to go clean the room and you're like, hey, go clean your room. And your kid is like, I'm gonna do this for about five minutes, okay? <laughs> You'd be like, all the toys you're cleaning up I paid for you, the room you're in I, I'm, I'm uncovering, I'm, I, I take care of you, I just want you to clean your room. And they just have a bad attitude, terrible. It's not the kind of kid you'd want to raise. Don't get me wrong, kids do that sometimes. I get it. We're going to work with them. Now, the Lord goes, build my house. Give joyfully, give generously. Be obedient. All right, I'm going to set up teardown team today. Being faithful like always. Good to see everybody. I'll do the TVs. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, I'm a welcome team today. I'd rather be watching football, but it is what it is. Yeah. And then you leave. I did it, Lord. You're welcome. You're welcome? Man, if you're in our house, I hope you show up excited and privileged to build this house. One final word, I urge you, I urge you to do it as a spirited dance. Last but not least, I believe the church should be a refreshing place. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. <laughs> I think that you can hear the word fun church, gentle church and refreshing church, and you can say, that's a soft gospel. I've heard pastors say, I don't preach no soft gospel. I preach a hard gospel. What? <laughs> preach that soft gospel. Get away from the soft gospels. I'm just going to let you know real quick. This is hard gospel. It is hard to be gentle with people who keep failing around you. It is hard to forgive those who keep gossiping about you. 
It is hard to be faithful to the little things in church that nobody sees. It's hard to be patient. Oh, it's so hard to believe, God, you're going to revive this region. It's hard. It's hard to have fun in the faithful mundane. But faithful equals fruitful. It's hard to wake up at 6 a.m. and show up and, and set up things and go, da 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 hi-ho, hi-ho, off to the TVs I go. It's hard. But life is a choice, and fun is a choice, and gentleness is a choice. Dying on a cross for you and I was a choice. It's hard. And it's hard to refresh people. But it says those who are refreshed, it's an exchanging, will also be refreshed. I think it's easy to rebuke people. Oh, you can rebuke people from a distance and feel great about yourself. Walk on the sidewalk. You're a sinner. Turn or burn. You're welcome, Lord. I did it. I rebuke somebody for you. Do not worship me. I'm merely human, just a disciple of Jesus. You know what's hard? Refreshing somebody. You got people sharing their opinion from this side of the aisle. You got people sharing their opinion from this side of the aisle. And I think that we would have a way more powerful movement in the church if we had more lunches with people. If we had more coffees with people. That if somebody in the church that has a point of view on something, man, if you just have a conversation with them. You have people make statements about people in a lifestyle. I'm like, do you know even one person that actually lives that lifestyle? Have you ever sat down with them? And they can't step in the church because of people that have said things to them. Because here's what I know. Jesus loves them so much where they're at, and they came to church. Watch what God would do in their life. Not what you would do in their life. Watch what God would do in their life. So many people want to, the religious want to correct everyone and refresh no one. But the church, the great church, knows how to refresh people. This season, you're going to have to decide, do I want to make an effort to engage people and love them where they're at, it's going to cost my time and my energy, but for a great church, it's well worth it. Let's build a great church together. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.